Well, welcome everybody to our last week in this really cool collaboration between Dallas Church and Village Church on this really a core thing to who we are and what our churches care about with the art of neighboring. So my name is Andrew Bullock. I am the next-gen pastor here at Dallas Church, and I'm joined on the stage with Ben Bauman, uh, lead pastor of Dallas Church. So yeah, give him a round of applause. Yeah, yeah. And then also, we've got Mike Miller, lead pastor of Village Church. So let's applaud louder for Mike. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. The, the villagers gave you a really, yeah, way to go. This is, this is Ben's place. He's going to come back next week no matter what. So we got to be nice to, we got to be nice to Mike. Um, well, so here we are. Um, we are going to do something kind of different today. As you can tell, there are three of us on this stage instead of kind of just one person. And what I'm really excited to do is we're going to have a conversation about the art of neighboring and really taking that to the next step. Now, as the pastors here, we know that, that Ben and Mike's heart, they would love to be able to have coffee with just every single one of you and have a discussion like this. Um, I've really enjoyed the discussions that go into the sermon writing, where the three of us sit down and we're talking it through, uh, and those, those really good lines, you know, are coming up from these guys, and then I get to steal them and preach my sermon. So this is going to be a really fun discussion where we're going to take the next step when it comes to neighboring. And so to kind of recap and kick it off, Ben, I would like to give you two uninterrupted minutes. No, to, it, it, to re Okay, to recap the series on the art of neighboring. So Ben, go ahead, take it from here. <laughs> let's not go into that, okay? Yeah. We, we gotta, hey, let's talk about so, anything else in the Anything world. else, yes. Art of neighboring, we've been in this series, gosh, this is week four, right? And in this series, we've been really trying to do one thing, which is take the words of Jesus literally. Remember when he was kind of asked what are the most important things cover to cover in scripture, he could have said a lot of things, but what he said was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and your strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. So in this series, we've been trying to wrestle with taking his words literally that we would actually be intentional about loving our neighbors, whether they're down the road or across the street or right next door. And so we've been looking at that for this, this entire series. And we, we started off in week one talking about something very simple, which was getting your neighbor's name, even starting with their first name. Because we all know, hey, Joe is way better than hey, bro. Unless your neighbor's name is not Joe. Yeah, that's true. Then you, then you call him point. something else. Yeah. Um, Right, exactly. So, Steve, either way. So, we learned that in week one. Hey, get your neighbor's name. In fact, we even we have a, a little magnet that we sent home with everybody to try to, to, try to put those names down. And, and we learned in that week one, right? Names matter because people matter to God. Names and neighbors matter. And so we talked about in week one, get, get that name down. It's a lot easier to pray, which was week two. Pray for your neighbors by name. That was our big takeaway in week two. Once you have those names down, start praying for them every day. In fact, that happened to me this morning. I got up early, was grabbing my coffee. I walked right by the fridge. And what do I have on my fridge is that magnet had a couple names on it. I just said some prayers for my neighbors. This is a simple thing. So we got their names week one. We got a chance to pray for them week two, starting to pray for each of them by name. And then we talked about in week three, the idea of being intentional. 
And that intentionality means kind of being available for your neighbors, being willing to be outside, being able to, to go across the street and, and shaking that hand. Even that embarrassing moment where you realize I've lived in this neighborhood for four years and I've gotten their name like five times and I still can't remember, you taking the effort to go over there and say, look, I'm sorry, I'm Ben, I, I, I should have remembered your name. I don't, what is your first name? That's awesome. I saw you walking your dog and you see where it goes. And so being that person who's intentional about getting to know your neighbors. And so that was week three. And look, the whole reason here that we're trying to, to do this neighboring is so that we honor Jesus' command to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we believe that opens so many doors, not only for you as a healthy person, but it really expands God's kingdom of love to your neighborhood and my neighborhood. And so that's what we've been doing in this series. So. Absolutely, yeah. And this, this idea of neighboring, it's, it's in the DNA of both of our churches and, and the church that we want to be. Um, I would like to kind of open it up to, Ben, you and, you're in Mike's story as people who have worked together in ministry. Neighboring was a really big part of that story. And, and some of us know some of it, but not all of us kind of know the story of how, you know, Mike, you especially were really important to the formation of Dallas Church and your friendship to Corvallis Church and now Village Church. And so um, can you kind of give us a little bit of how neighboring has played into your guys's relationship? Yeah, I would say it is, you know, this living in this heart is the foundation of how this all, our friendship started. We were living in a town called Maple Valley, Washington, which is kind of a bedroom community of the Seattle land area. And uh, it was a growing community. We had moved there. Uh, we had family there and it was our neighborhood. And this is where we thought we were going to kind of settle down. It was yep. like our retirement home is where we wanted to live out our days. Mm -hmm. And uh, in that spirit, we decided we wanted to homeschool the kids. And so we went to this um, community meeting I, kind of I didn't. Like Heather a co-op thing for like homeschoolers, a, yeah. Yeah, just kind of exploring what, what would homeschooling look like for our kids. And we didn't know anything about homeschooling. Um, and and let me, when I say we, I mean Heather. And, and really, like anything that good that's ever started in our life, it's been our wives that have initiated it. So uh, <laughs> Heather and Ben's wife, Jackie, met at this meeting. And they got to talking. And, uh, you know, some of you know that Ben is a very gifted and talented musician who has a history of, of professional music, and as he says it, uh, he has been almost famous and made tens of dollars. And tens of dollars. Tens, tens, tens of dollars. dollars. Um, and I, too, have always had just a love for people who are gifted musically. Uh, uh, and I've been always on the technology side of things in my world. So I, I took my garage, we had this huge three-car garage, I took one entire bay and converted it to a music studio. And it just kind of hit me when we were done with it, like after all that money and all that time, I was like, I don't know any musicians. This is cool. And they're just putting loops in there, learning. I even went to Vancouver Film School and got certified as a digital audio engineer to do this. And I'm like, well, now I need some musicians. So anyway, Heather knew my conundrum, and she mentioned something to this woman she just met at this meeting, and she said, oh, my husband knows Pro Tools. My husband can do all that. Did he know Pro Tools? He did not. I did not. <laughs> That's technology. I don't... So our relationship was founded on a lie, is what... <laughs> founded on a lie. No. But yeah. we had them over at our house. Our families immediately connected. Right. Um, even to this day, you know, we are... Our whole families are close. Our kids, oh, yeah. us, and, and... Because we've been through a lot together. But started with like a meal in your home, actually. Yeah. It started with a meal in our home, and then 
this, uh, it's also where I got introduced to this world of church planting. I remember Ben and Jackie had moved to our community specifically um, to help plant a new church. Yeah. And I'd been a Christian since I was 15. I'd always gone to church. I always kind of looked at church as like, it's the place I go. And excuse me if this is a little too convicting for you, but this was my reality. Like, this is the place I go, and I judge whether or not I like it, if it fits my preferences. Um, I judge the preacher's sermon as to whether it's good, and the worship music, whether it's good, and the coffee, and whether it's good. And, and then I decide whether or not that church is good enough for me, right? <laughs> but that was kind of my attitude towards church, of just judging it based on its consumption value, right? Um, and I don't think that's different from a lot of Christians today, but um, when Ben introduced me to this idea of church planting, just something new came alive in me because I never ever thought where churches came from. Right? They just churches, magically appeared. They just were there. Yeah. Like churches that's how just, this church got here, right? Yeah, yeah, like where did churches come from? What, and, and so no. the idea of intentionally going to a neighborhood that, and many, many of you don't know this, if you're born or raised in the Northwest, like, in the Northwest, there is, is literally a poverty of churches that exist in the Northwest. Yeah, healthy it's churches, one, yeah. Yeah, it's just, there's just a huge need. One of my mentors says, if you want to learn, if you want to know where to plant a church in the Pacific Northwest, stand anywhere and throw a rock and we need a church there, right? So, so anyway, I kind of got into this. I, I spent years in the IT um, industry, entrepreneurial, starting IT businesses through the dot-com thing. And, yeah. And, uh, I just was in love with starting new things and then this idea of starting a church. Then we got invited to, to Ben and Jackie's home and then they were already meeting in a neighborhood and had meetings in their neighborhood and so we started to connect in our neighborhoods yeah. and out of that came That's right. a church. Yeah, we were meeting in homes and just connecting with neighbors, connecting to people in the park, at the library. We had kids, you know, so that was a natural uh, talking point. But it all started with loving our neighbors, you know, and, and it, it just grew from there. Yeah, and I think part of our passion for this is that we have seen people far from Jesus yeah. come to Jesus and have their lives transformed. We've seen neighborhoods changed. Yeah. We've seen conflict resolved. We've seen marriages saved. We've seen this all from a Christ-centered neighbor, neighborhood yeah. thing that somebody had the courage to start. Yeah. And uh, that's why it's so, you know, we've, we can go back and we share some of the beauty of this. We share names of testimonies of people who, who yeah. hung out with us for a long time, even though they were an atheist, and, and they learned and they heard and they received Jesus and their life changed. Or this person was being in a, in a terrible relationship and they found hope and healing and restoration. Yeah. And, like, we have those shared victories that kind of root the conviction of this message in both of our churches. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and both of our churches are churches that value relationship and, right. and building people up and helping them follow Jesus. So, actually, uh, there is a core value that you would find on both Dallas Church's founding documents and also in Village Church at the core of who we are. And so we have that in common, and this value is the idea of relational discipleship and how we're going to define what it means to follow Jesus. So I'd like to cue it up for you guys to kind of speak to what is, how does that play out when it comes to neighboring and sure. why is relational discipleship so core to who we are? Well, sometimes I feel like the word discipleship 
in our culture has sort of lost its meaning. Mm -hmm. Like it, it just seems like this this vague term that we're not really sure what it's about. And and, and some church movements have have tried to take that word and say, well, I'll, let's boil it down to a program or a three ring binder with fill in the blanks. And and once you go through the class, however long it takes, then you're graduated as a disciple. Almost like this academic adventure. But when you look at the New Testament, discipleship, the way Jesus did it anyway, really had more to do with walking around, eating meals together, him telling stories, just living life together. And so from that, we've kind of taken that cue that really maybe making disciples, or maybe we use a different word, mentorships or, or, or apprenticeships, however we might want to use that, but becoming learners of Jesus requires relationship. Because it's, it's in relationship that you learn wonderful things like patience and kindness in general, you don't really learn that from a book, right? Mm -hmm. So it takes relationships. So both of our churches, and we've had this as a core value, and we really believe that, and it's at the heart of neighboring, is it starts with relationship. It's in the environment of a safe relationship that people can learn the ways of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So for us as churches, we see discipleship as a relational-based process. Yeah, and it's in that where lives are transformed. It's in that where, at least for me, Ben has been discipling me in, in this for 15, 17 years. A and long it's, time. Yeah. <laughs> Did he just call you old? Is I, that, I, I think don't, I don't know. It, feel, it may be 17, but it only feels like two years underwater. Though. <laughs> oh, okay. That's the reason my gray hair. <laughs> gray hair from this guy. But I think the thing that Ben has shown me is... Uh, he kind of led this trusting me with himself in relationship. And I was so hungry for that that I trusted him. And that, that vulnerability, transparency, that trust taught me how to follow Jesus in a way because yeah. it allowed me to put away religiosity and just be real with God. Mm. And, you know, as a professional Christian, uh, I had really figured out the formula to going to church regularly and tithing and judging the sermon and criticizing the the pastor when I was called to, right? But that, I mean, it kind of seems to be the rhythm of the religiosity leads you down, and this authenticity and honesty started with a relational discipleship thing, and, and Ben, I don't know how much of that was intentional for you, but we just, since we were friends and we kind of connected that way, it really is what, what happened. Yeah. Yeah. All in relationship. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and that's not to say that we won't have classes when no, it comes no, to yeah. discipleship, because both our churches do yeah. have classes and, and binders and fill in the blank. But and the, tattoos. And, uh, when we're done with the, the class, no, the no, 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 no. That's no, a different thing. No. On the tattoo no stickers, maybe, but no <laughs> tattoos. So, uh, <laughs> but we do have those those classes. But the good stuff that happens yeah. in those classes is always the relationship. relationship and yeah. it's, it's not about a grade, it's about growing together. And we do think that that's how people do grow yeah. to get to know Jesus. Uh, right. Now, I wanna open it up to some practical pro tips when it comes to neighboring. You guys have done this neighboring thing for a while, and so maybe you've, you've learned where to set boundaries and what are some good things, what are some not to do. So what do you guys have to say as some advice for us with pro tips when it comes to neighboring? Uh, well, I think a, a big part of what at least Jackie and I have done, Jackie's my wife, and one of the things that we found pretty powerful is just having meals together. That's been kind of one of those easy pro tips that doesn't require you to, to, to prepare a sermon or have your, your, your Bible thumping powers handy, 
All you need to do is be able to share a meal together. And it's amazing how, how the, the barriers come down when you're just sharing a meal. And so that's been a, a big pro tip for us is just having, having just meals with people in our home and getting a chance to just live life together. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge pro tip, and that's something that any of us can do. Because yeah, everybody eats. Everybody eats. Everybody yeah. eats. Generally, yep. yeah. I think another way is to look at, um, I, I believe that humans need and want to connect with each other. I think we do. I think that's built into us. We all want to connect with somebody. And uh, yeah. I think you can, in order to make sure you're doing that in an authentic, real way that connects with you, you can look around your neighborhood, and maybe your neighbors are giving you an indicator of a way they are open to connecting. Yeah. Um, maybe they have really good taste and they're smart and they have a Seahawks flag in their front yard. Maybe. Well, now you know that is a common thing. That, but, but don't go up to them if you're a 49ers fan because you'll be a bad testimony. But if you go, if you're authentically a Christian, did that sting? Did that hurt? I you, you a little bit. Sorry. Yeah. No, we're okay. That's all right. Beyond football, Beyond you're making football, a great point. Right. You can neighbor if, even if you're not into football. It's okay, guys. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, but like I have a neighbor who uh, I ride a Harley, he rides a Harley. And I'm like, okay, there's a connecting point. And, That's right. And we had a great, you know, we have a great foundation with a very interesting guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> he like helped you with like a repair or something. Yeah, like that, he so. helped me fix my tank. And it was a very, he's a, a neat guy, but I've just been able to connect with neighbors based on a, an authentic common interest, right. not something that's manufactured. But something that's a real, authentic, common interest has been really well, it's, easy. It's weird. Uh, the last couple of days, Jackie and I have been painting our house. And so we're painting the outside of it. And it's amazing how many neighbors want to come over and ask questions and look at this. And why'd you paint that? And why'd you pick gray? And some neighbors saying, well, it looks just like my house. It was interesting how many just natural conversations sort of happened right there. So being, being available, even being out in the front yard, I heard someone say, just grab a couple of lawn chairs and sit out there and make yourself available. And, and it's just those little things like that, that that really tell them, I'm open for a relationship. Mm -hmm. I'm open to have a conversation. And they, yeah, they, they may not go super deep all the time. And it may be about, you know, sports or something like that. Avoid politics. But yeah, it may, it may just happen where you just have this natural conversation that can turn into a, a cool friendship. We still have neighbors that we had in Tennessee, we still connect with all these years later in Maple Valley, all of those years later, we have all these people that we, and many of them are our neighbors. And so just, that's something you can do. And we, we even still have financial and prayer supporters for Dallas Church and Village Church from that community yep. back then who are really excited about, some of them are probably watching today. Yeah. We get a lot of them that just kind of connect from Maple Valley with us today. So hi guys. Hey guys. <laughs> thanks for, hi, thanks Maple for Valley. everything. Um, the, my, I guess my last thing with the uh, pro tip is listen back to the first three sermons because you have to overcome your fears. Mm. That's part of what it means to be a Christian yeah. is that we're called to do something that's hard. Yeah. We have to overcome our fears. It's almost countercultural anymore Absolutely. to be neighboring. And, and you, know, you, you might be thinking, well, I love this idea, but you know, I've lived in the neighborhood for like four or five, six, seven years, and now I'm embarrassed. I, I, I'm embarrassed about, do I go and knock on the door and, and remind them that I forgot their name? We as followers of Christ can be that bridge where we say, you know what, look, hey, I'm sorry, I've lived next to you for five years. I, I know we've talked before. I forgot your name. I'm Ben. What's your name? And then, hey, I saw you walking your dog the other day. You see, it begins to start by us taking the initiative yeah. and just showing that we're, 
we're going to be a neighbor. And it, it takes some intentionality, but we get over those fears because it matters. That's right. Because people matter to God. That's right. And then with neighboring, what role does, um, as, as neighbors, what role does receiving um, help and, and support friendship, what does that have to play in neighboring? Mm. Um, I think it's a great question because of this. As Christians, if we take our religious hat on and we think evangelistically, we think we are representing God, therefore we have the answers. Mm. And we can't show that we have a need or we don't, or we have a weakness because then we're just not being a good representation of God. So we're the ones in our neighborhood that provide everything to our neighbors. We're not the ones that go to our neighbors and ask for help. Like we don't need anything from them. Right, I got everything. Or, I mean, that's a nice way to say it. Another way is you just may be extremely proud to the point where you just can't even imagine asking someone for help. And maybe that's not rooted in some virtue of religiosity. Maybe it's just you're proud and you can't do it. But that's another thing we have to get over because get over our pride. One of the things our neighbors need to know, we all need to know, is that we're needed. Yeah. That we're valued. Like I have a place here. I have a role here. Yeah. And in, when you go and you ask your neighbor for an authentic need that you have for help, you're telling them, there's a place for you in my life. There's a need that I have for you. And, and it's a beautiful way to invite did, someone in. Did you ever have, like, did your, your mom or your parents or whatever uh, ever model that where they'd go next door to get an egg or, or get some, some flour or something like that? Yeah, but never from Mr. Grumpy. Mr. Grumpy, yeah, you talked about Mr. Grumpy <laughs> yeah. in week two. Yeah, never from him. But like but yeah. going over and asking for, hey, can I borrow a tool? Can I borrow some flour? That seems like an old, older generation thing, but you know what? That bridges, yeah. Instead of you going to the store, you can just ask for something like that. Yeah. And those things matter because now your neighbor feels like, oh, I, I can be helpful too. Like this, yeah. is a, this is a give and take. It's not just us taking the initiative all the time. Maybe we, we can receive a little bit and that shows some humility. Yeah, so instead of hopping in your car to go to Home Depot or Lowe's, right. you hop in your car and, or you walk across the street and yep. ask to borrow a tool. Um, and then you give the tool back after, yeah, well that's, after you're done. You want to give the tool yeah. back. The egg that you borrowed, I don't you know do that what? you no. want to... Give the tool back. Oh, give the tool back. Write yeah, that yeah, down. Tool. <laughs> Actually, I might have one of my neighbor's tools from several years ago in my garage. I just saw it yesterday, so I'll have to remedy that. <laughs> Way to be honest, Ben. Um, so speaking of borrowing and lending things, let's talk about uh, boundaries in neighboring and, and where kind of healthy boundaries come into this idea of neighboring. Well, boundaries, you know, are, are just like anything. They're like, uh, uh, you know, cells have them in nature, right? You've got a boundary around the cell to protect it. Well, boundaries in many ways protects us. So, yes, we want to be open and available to our neighbors. We want to be interruptible. But we also have to make sure that we're taking care of what God's made us responsible for. That means, you know, our, our marriages, you know, our children, our grandchildren. So, so there, there's going to be moments where probably not 2 a.m., where your neighbor wants to borrow some flour, right? You might need to say, you know, maybe it lights out at 10 o'clock or whatever that might be. Um, but, but you don't want to, if you have this open door all the time, it may be hard on your family. We're all wired a little differently. But just remember that when we say yes to something, we're saying no to something else. Yeah. That's how boundaries work, right? So we want to just make sure that we, we, we guard our, our families, make sure we protect what needs to be protected, uh, still being available, but I think also being, being okay with that boundary of, uh, yes, I can help with that, no, I can't help with that. Look, not all of us have the skills to do everything. So, and and we're, not, we're not Jesus. We, we, we try to do our best, uh, but we want to point people to the Savior. He can take care of all their needs. Amen. 
but just making sure that you know we we use our yeses and nos carefully right yeah. and discerning that a little bit maybe they're pushing too much and we can say hey i can help tomorrow but i can't help today it's just those little things that can and they also respect that i think too yeah. so yeah. i think rooting rooting boundaries and priorities right don't abandon all of your priorities right, right, that right. you have uh, and that's what happens when we don't set boundaries is, is things get out of priority and as Ben said, you're called to your spouse as your first mission field. You're called to your children and your family. Like, that's your first calling, your first mission field, and your neighborhood. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think you nailed it. Yeah. That's good. Good question. Um, what, what about when it comes to forgiveness and neighbors? How does forgiveness play into connecting with our neighbors? Whenever you're in relationship with people, you know, hurts can happen, sparks can fly. Sure. But how does forgiveness play into that? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. I mean, I don't know if you've, you've, you've been in a neighborhood maybe where you've got that neighbor. You know, I think Mike talked about Mr. Grumpy in his week two of our series. That, that neighbor that maybe you kind of have a tough time with. Maybe uh, they're, 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 they're keeping weird hours, they got loud music, or maybe they're never mowing their lawn, so all the little weeds are drifting over. Am I hitting any nerves here for anybody? But that, what, that one neighbor... And so one of the things that we have to learn, I think, in that is something that I think Jesus modeled, is being that person that can forgive, but also, you know, being able to love someone who's just doing things differently than you. And it almost becomes a chance for, for you to be discipled by that neighbor, believe it or not, because you have to learn that art of patience and that art of, of you know, praying for them and, and being in proximity to someone that you may not agree with. And that, that could, could take a lot of different forms, but mm -hmm. it's an opportunity to actually grow because of the difficulty. I said, that's, forgiveness is the universal truth to all things Christian, mm -hmm. right? And that the, the, the path to peace for every Christian in every relationship is giving and receiving of forgiveness. And that's the, mm -hmm. path, when, of unity, the path to unity. When Jesus says, I'm the way, truth, and the life, there's no way to the Father but by me. True. Built into that, is a heart willing to forgive and receive forgiveness. And that is the only path to unity. That's the distinction between, in, can we have peace? Yes. How do we have peace? Not by uniformity, but by unity. And there's a difference, and this one is filled with grace and forgiveness and, and a heart that says, you're different than me and you've offended me, yet I will still esteem you as valuable in God's eyes. And so forgiveness is at the heart of everything. Um, even... I mean, not, I would say, even loving your neighbors, but the Bible goes even further, even loving your enemies. That's right. So Take it a step farther. Yeah. yeah that's even harder. Well, and I, I think it's good that we have the realistic expectations as we step out in neighboring. As, as you know, pastors on this stage, we know that that's hard yeah. and that it can cost you something and that um, we're not painting this picture of, you know, if you just reach out and bring cookies to everybody, there's a rainbow over your neighborhood 24-7. But we are asking that as Jesus followers that, that we would love our neighbor as ourselves and that this would be more than just one sermon series that we right. do together, but that this is just a lifestyle of who we are. Mm -hmm. Kind of uh, living, living intentionally this way. Yeah. Making ourselves available, making ourselves interruptible. And I realize we all have busy schedules and that sort of thing, but, but you know, our, our neighbors really become opportunities for us to show the love of Jesus. And at some point, maybe we'll get to tell them a little bit about the hope that we have. You know, we can point them to the ultimate savior of the world, Jesus. But those things take time. Yeah. And so this is a chance to build that. 
Yeah. So how do you guys do that? How do you make that, have the spiritual conversations where, uh, you know, you maybe let it come up naturally or, but how do you have spiritual conversations with your neighbors when you're having a meal or fixing a bike or any of these things? I think, I think uh, Ben said something earlier this week, but it's, I don't think we can go at it with, okay, what, what do I have to do as a Christian to obey this thing of neighboring with my neighbor? Like a chore. Like a, a chore, because then the person feels like a project. Right. And it's like, my ch- and I've been on the side of that. How many, I, mean, I think you have too. Like someone calls you and says, hey, you seem like the kind of person that wants the most in your life. And you deserve it. Let me tell you about Amway. Like, you, that's not what we're called to do. What's Amway? Yeah. I think it's some multi-level marketing <laughs> okay, thing. Okay. Sorry. My, my parents bought Shackley now. back in the day. Anybody know what Shackley is? Vitamins? Okay. All right. Yeah. Same kind of idea. It's a kind of direct sales. Go ahead. But, but you end up feeling like a project if someone's trying to win you to earn quota points with their church or with God instead of saying, instead of just being who you are. Yeah. Let's be who we are. And, and this is why every preacher, every pastor, every shepherd, every disciple, everything, every, every spiritual leader worth their salt in your life has told you these things. Mm-hmm. Study the word. Pray every day. Have an intimate relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Let him, let his love for you transform you because out of that will come an authentic expression of who you are. And if you are rooted in Jesus, it's going to come out of you. Yeah. And being, being willing, and that's why we talk about being willing to be vulnerable and transparent and to say, hey, my life's been transformed by Jesus. Yeah. You know, 2 Timothy 4 talks about being ready in season and out to preach the word and the reason for your hope. Yeah. Well, that doesn't mean to have the Roman road to salvation, which is a Bible tract that a lot of evangelists use, which is good, by the way, but yeah. it doesn't mean to like, walk into your neighbor's house with that locked and loaded, ready to go. How about, how about listening to their religious perspective before you even talk about yours? Yeah. How about hearing from them? How about learning something from someone who's experienced life different than you? I think we need to stay curious. Yeah. Ask questions more than we say. I mean, that's kind of the way that Jesus modeled most of his ministry. It was mostly by questions. So maybe we ask questions of our neighbors just to get to know them. And maybe it comes down to, what's something I can pray for you on? Yeah. That's actually happened in my neighborhood. Yeah. And it, it doesn't sound over, overt or doesn't sound heavy-handed. I'm just saying, what can I, I'm, I'm a praying person. I don't know if you're a praying person, but I'd love to pray for you if there's something that's going on. And I'm telling you, often they'll, they'll give you something to pray for. Yeah. Even if they're nowhere near the religious spectrum at that point, they will give you something to pray for. Isn't that crazy? And, and the power in that is if you are actually praying for them. Hmm. Then there's power in that statement. Because it's not like um, I'm supposed to ask you, pastor said to ask you, how can I pray for you? It is, I am praying for you. Uh, How can I pray for you? See, it's not a program or an event or some special series that we just talk about and then forget about. This is starting a, a lifelong intentionality with the way that we love our neighbors. Again, because Jesus told us to. Let's take him literally. Yeah, yeah to actually love our neighbors. Actually not love our not neighbors. Click, check the boxes <laughs> or write names on the magnet. We, we do right. write names on the magnet. But, but yeah. to actually love our neighbors and then have those conversations come out of our genuine love for God yeah, yeah. that we've built into our life. Um, yeah, and if we've been transformed by the Holy Spirit, we've been transformed. That means there's a different fruit in our life than was there before. There's a new 
outpouring that comes from us, and that's the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. These, this is the fruit that comes out of you when you're transformed by the love of Jesus. Not always. That's why Jesus died on the cross, because we fall short. But generally speaking, this is what comes out of you. And then, and then in Luke, we're called to, don't, when you're tested, when you're being tried, when you're in opportunity, don't worry about what you will say, for the spirit inside of you will tell you. <laughs> right? And so if you are living a life that's close to the Lord, you will find that you are a light in your neighborhood. You are an authentic um, beacon towards Jesus. Yeah. And, and another thing, practical thing, is that invite them to church. And I don't, that can sound like a religious thing, but one of the reasons we share a value where we want to do things with excellence, we try hard. We try to have good equipment, good programming, good order. We prepare a lot for our sermons. And it's because we want to equip you. Ephesians 4 says the purpose of church leadership is to equip the, equip the saints to do work of ministry, right? Um, I used to say that, that uh, you know, 15 years ago I entered the ministry, but when I read that text I realized 15 years ago I entered the equipping of you to do the ministry. So uh, that's, we want church to be part of your arsenal to say, hey, come, and, come to this yeah. event we're doing. Come and meet the people that I know that have been transformed by love. Come and hear this message. Come and see and taste that the Lord is good. And, yeah. and so that's, church has a role in this neighboring sure. thing, the gathering and the meetings we can and help. the workshops. We can help. We can help. <laughs> we, one of the biggest victories for us is when we, I shared one with, this, with these guys earlier. So we, I got a, a testimony from someone who said, hey, I just want you to know our friends that we've been inviting to church, they, they connected online last week for the first time and they were so moved by the neighboring sermon that they reached out to two neighbors and they had two meals with two neighbors and it's like that is the victory so don't forget that you're not in this alone as you go and love your neighbor absolutely it's good and then uh to kind of close it out um mike you've got a phrase that you're pretty passionate about when it comes to neighboring and that's the concept that the great commandment would lead to the great commission so i'd love to yeah. open the floor up to you and let you kind of share Ooh. with us about that. Oh, no. So. <laughs> All right, buckle up. Here we go. Getting serious now. You're standing yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't need this. Um, when we were preparing for this, Andrew's like, guys, this comes from your heart. Just do it. So thanks, man. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys see what happens here, but Andrew really is kind of the glue for us because uh, we really, I'm really thankful for you. Thankful for you too, Mike. Yeah. Um, we're, every Christian, every church, everyone who claims to follow Jesus has the same mission and the same spirit yeah. to do the mission. We're all called to love God and love our neighbor. Everyone. And, and Ben and I both coached churches and mentored pastors. And, and, and every time someone tries to go on this vision, mission, values thing, you can only direct people back to love God and love your neighbor Go to the ends of the earth and make disciples of Jesus who obey everything that he's commanded. It's called the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. Right. And when we're truly living out the Great Commandment, to be loved in a love relationship with God completely and honestly in a love relationship with God, and we're taking that and we're looking at God's creation and the other people that God has created and he loves, and we're directing that love to other people, we are making disciples of Jesus. 
They're, they're, they can't be disconnected, and they aren't disconnected. It's impossible to love God and not love his people. And, and I've heard people say that, like, oh, I love God, I just don't, I hate the church. I'm like, well, then you don't love God. Say that to one of us. Say, hey, hey, hey Mike, I love you, but I can't stand Heather. Well, then you don't love me. Hmm. We are one. No one has ever said that, by the way. <laughs> That's a ridiculous the statement. Other, maybe the other way around. It's the other way know. around many times. But. <laughs> like Heather. But. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Father. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> My mind's, I have so many jokes right now just, just at let him. Just let it go. Let it go. Like, there's let so go. many jokes right now at you. Okay. But uh, this call to make disciples is rooted in this call to love your neighbor. And if you truly care about your neighbor, if you truly love your neighbor, you care about their life. You care about whether or not they know the love of Jesus in their daily life and for eternity. And why do you care? Because you have taken the heart of God and you've put it on and it's become, the Holy Spirit has indwelled you. Whatever issues you had, whatever kingdom mindset you had, whether it was just the kingdom of justice and and doing the right thing, a kingdom of prosperity and health and whatever that is, and that old kingdom is gone and there's a new kingdom that says, my neighbor is my priority. Loving people is my priority. Following God's kingdom is my priority. And everything else in my life serves that priority. That's when we see the great commandment and the great commission come together. One of the things it says in the Bible about our call to go, go to the ends of the earth is we're supposed to go to every tribe tongue and nation and share with them the good news of Jesus Christ that by obeying him and following him that we can be we can live a life transformed and we can transform the world around us that every tribe tongue and nation is usually what churches use to justify foreign missions and we're going to send people to Africa and and backwoods of Alaska and like all over we're going to send but what if it meant this what if it meant, look around your neighborhood, you will see people of every tribe, tongue, and nation. You'll see people that are very different than you. That's right. And I'd add generation to that. How many of you have ever had a conversation with someone from another generation, and you walk away saying, I have no idea what they just said? <laughs> right? It feels like they're speaking a completely different language. That sounds like a foreign tongue. Right? And we need to take and be open to taking the gospel to every tribe, tongue, and nation within our neighborhood. Yeah. And, you know, one of the, the core values that I know the Miller family and the Bauman family share, and I'm sure many of you share it, is that our lives exist for God's purpose. Yeah. Everything we do exists for God's purpose. And what God has told us to do with every second and every penny and every heart is to be a light of hope by loving our neighbors. Yeah. And that's our call to both of our churches, yeah. Yeah. is that we would live in perpetuity in this spirit of loving our neighbors as ourselves and, and not holding back and not treating this like a four-week project. And, right. and the question is, what do you do when you have this? And and you have your dry erase marker, and then you look at this in a couple weeks, and a name, it got smudged, because in the middle of the night, you went to grab a ding-dong out of the freezer, and you bumped it, right? 
Um, what do you do when it's smudged? Do you just say, oh, well, I'm not going to pray for that neighbor anymore. I got smudged. Right? Or do you maintain this? Do you leave this on your fridge? What if you memorize your neighbor's name so you don't need their names on there? And what if you start writing prayers? Like, here's how I'm praying for this neighbor. And as you get to know the needs of their neighbor, you start writing on it. Because what we're called to do is live this as a lifestyle. Yeah. This is the existence of a Christian. Is that every day we walk and breathe this heart of loving our neighbors. What if, what if people happen? feel like they're belonging and then one day we might get a chance to tell them about the hope within us. Sometimes people need to feel like they belong before they are ready to believe. Oh, and we get so to help good. people do that. Yeah. And enabling is helping them feel belonging. That's so good. Isn't that written on all of our hearts? We want to belong? Yeah. Like, I, I can't remember who said this. Many people have, but the, the, the deepest need of a human is to be known and to be loved. If someone knows the depths of who you are and they show you acceptance and love, that is just, yeah. that is, and so the hope of being known and loved is really at the heart of evangelism because that's, that's what's at the heart of Jesus is that we are, I think it was Keller who says this, like we are more sinful than we ever dare to dream. But we are more loved than we ever dare to hope. Mm -hmm. We are so deeply known and so deeply loved. And if we can give our neighbors a taste of that, we'll yeah. be introducing them to the truth of who Jesus is and more, as important as who they are in the eyes of Jesus. That's right. Because the way we treat our neighbor either tells people the truth about who God is or we lie to people about who God is. If we're saying we are Christians and we're representing God on earth, the way we treat people, we're either telling the truth or a lie. And I want to be a truth teller about who God is and what he thinks about my neighbors. Amen? Yeah. Let's yeah, be yeah. truth tellers that God loves them and accepts them and is here for them. Hmm. Oh. That's good. Here's our fear as pastors when we talk about stuff like this. And it's kind of like when you go to the dentist and the dental hygienist at the end tells you what to do. Right? And they say, hey, and you're going to agree with everything she says, or he, you're going to agree, like, hey, that's a good thing. You know, I'm brushed three times a day. That's a good thing. You're going to floss two or three times a day. That's a good thing. And you're going to use that pre-rinse thing that they have, and you're going to pre-rinse before you brush. And then there's the mouthwash at the end, and you're going to, and it's really important that you do all of that. And, and that's good advice. But I, I kind of go with what my grandmother used to say, is only brush the teeth that you want to keep. And so, and so when, I, when, I, when I'm at the hygienist, I'm telling my hygienist, yep, okay, it sounds good, I agree with you. Rest of your time today is good. Mouthwash, pre-rinse, mouthwash, flossing, water pick. I'm going to do it all. I'm going to cut back on coffee because that stains my teeth. I'm just so full of lies at this point. <laughs> yep, I agree with you. And then we go out, and, and if we're being honest, we would say, you know, I'm going to brush... For sure, once a day, you're going to get that. Maybe two if I wake up in time um, and I don't have any gum in the car. Like, I'll do that. And uh, I'll floss after I eat beef jerky because it gets stuck in there. But that's about it. And pre-rent, nope. Uh, I'm not, really, that's kind of the, the way. And that's kind of how I feel it is when we talk about this type of thing, is that we'll all agree that this is good. 
But we won't accomplish our mission until we adopt this as a lifestyle. And we start living it out. You know, we're, not, we're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus, not just the mouth. Like, we're called to go and love. And it's the best job in the world, guys. This is the best job in the world. We're not called to fix people. We're not called to judge people. We're not called to condemn people. We're called to love. That's good. That's good. Good right there. That's really good. So my call and our call for both of our churches is, is to imagine what Dallas and Adair Village would look like if a movement of loving your neighbor took over. Yeah. What would it look like? We would see our communities transformed by the love of Jesus. That's a dream. That's a goal. That's a mission. Yeah, yeah. Will you join us on this mission? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray that as we have been and, and just bathed in your word and your calling to, to share your love with our neighbors, that we wouldn't lose sight of your presence in all of this. That it is not by our strength or by our might, but by your spirit. It is by you. You are the one that will do the heavy lifting. You are the one that transforms hearts. You are the one that brings hope and peace and and our job is just to tell the truth about what you've done in our life god help us be transformed today by the truth of your word the power of the testimony in jesus name amen